Welcome to I Am My Passion Project, a Woman House production. I'm Lorna Nakel. I'm an artist, writer, graphic designer, thinker, a Renaissance woman, if you will. This podcast is a feminist platform to discuss sexism, health, and wellness, redefining beauty, and healing from betrayal trauma. Each season has a theme. The theme for season two is women redesigning the world as a better and safer place for women. And here's the cool thing about the fight for gender equality. Men can help us with this. And when we all come up with solutions together, it makes a better world for everyone. So grab a big old mug of fight the patriarchy tea, settle into your woman house, and let's start reimagining a world where women are made visible and empowered to become their own passion projects. Dill Ward's great passion is creating energized and joyful social events that build community, inspire business development, and promote the work of women with her organization called Women with Moxie, Courageous Women in Business. After hosting over 250 events, both in person and online, Dill still sees a great need for women to continue to gather, lift each other up, and create a micro-economy within their social groups. Dill literally has sort of a glow about her. Uh, If you've met her, you'd see what I'm talking about. It's kind of like a special unicorn, complete with pixie dust and rainbows. Anne has a heart-centered approach to everything she does. She's also a kick-ass salesperson. She inspires me every time I talk to her, and I'm happy to have her on I Am My Passion Project to talk about how she's been making the world a better place for women. So welcome to the show, Dill. All right, let's do this. Let's inspire some people. (laughs) How long have you been running Women with Moxie? And can you tell us a little bit about the origin story? Yeah, so the company was formed back in 2007 which it's so hard to believe back then, finding other women who happened to be in business was kind of like a secret club. There was no Facebook groups or Yahoo groups or anything to Google on the internet, women in business. And the organization was formed in Florida uh, by a web developer who worked from home and thought that it would be super cool to get other women in business together. And I remember at the time I was completely uncertain about what would be the value of getting a bunch of strangers together who all happen to have business. And I was a complete, just, you know, just curiosity and like, okay, let's just see what happens. And what I got to witness was that when women show up to something completely insecure, uncertain, feeling like, do they even fit in? What are they even doing? And then instantly kind of transform into this confident, radiant, connected and channeling an extrovert, even if they are an introvert way. I just kind of got hooked <laughs> like, <laughs> on the experience of the magic that happened every single time. So as someone who came into the organization and then later took hold of it and bought the company and started to transform. Because as as we found more online channels for women to connect and network, uh, it was easier to find people, but there was still a need for someone to like lead and craft and create and facilitate community experiences that were fun and joyful and safe. It's a continually evolving environment. 
And you talked to me the other day about how you are actually an introvert. And anyone I think that who's met you for the first time probably wouldn't believe that. But can you talk a little bit about how how you're an introvert? Because it's it's yeah, hard to I believe. Think that, um, I think we all are somewhat ambivert in ways that certain types of groups of people or certain environments do charge us up and, and others lead us. And I, I mean, my mom likes to joke and say that she couldn't get me to order a pizza because I'd like pick up the phone and go, ah, there's a stranger on the other line. I was hang up. But I knew that if I was going to be good at business and good at achieving my goals in life, that it was going to require to just get out of my own head and to be just really curious and interested in other people. I think often when we're feeling the most shut off or shy, we're feeling doubt or ways that like we're judging, like we're thinking about ourselves too, but usually when we're in, in our head, can't get out of it. But when you go out into the world and you're networking and you're trying to meet other people, staying in curiosity and just listening, just becoming a really active listener can be such a fundamental skill of building quality relationships. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the types of women that go to the Women with Moxie events. Like if one of the listeners wanted to go there for the first time, who would they run into? Yeah, one well, of my favorite thing is that the demographic is so wide, you know, from people who just graduated college and, you know, trying to take a side hustle into a business to women who've been in business over 25 years and still want to learn more and still want to be connected to the energy of other people doing things. I find that most women that have moxie, like the qualifier of having moxie, to define it, it's having a certain amount of just, oh, you know, just like always going back for more, just resiliency and grit and willingness and pep and just, just always showing back up. Those women are more often than not in transition between one version of their life and another version of their life. And sometimes it's like rapid. Sometimes it's like, you know, they just made a bunch of changes and now they're making more changes. And originally Women with Moxie was a space for women to be able to vocalize something that they maybe just decided, right? You know, like they just decided to start a dog walking business and now they're telling people they have a dog walking business and women are already jumping in and going, oh, like what part of town? Because my friend was just complaining about her dog being home all day. Maybe you could help her. And that kind of exponential manifesting and creating a reality from just speaking a truth to resources showing up to make it so. So you've, you know, done like you said, over 250 events and I've gone to some of those events and it makes me think about, you could probably talk a little bit more about this, the difference between a women with moxie event and events that are for men and women, because I feel like it's a safe space, just like what you were saying, it's a safe space to sort of workshop ideas about who you want to be in a safe place with other women that are also doing that. They're in this stage of trying to manifest the courage to step into the shoes of the person that they want to be. And so it's kind of like a playground, 
a safe playground where they can talk to other women who are also in that place. And it's not, they're not just having to put on a suit and go and pretend like they are something that they aren't. It's more playful. You don't have to put on like a facade or airs or something to go to a regular networking event where you, it seems like you're supposed to have everything all figured out. Exactly. That's the key is that it's sort of an invitation to not have everything figured out and to be organically figuring it out in the process, building the plane while you fly it. Right. Um, I, I remember, <laughs> and we were talking about this the other day, like I had kind of forgotten because I've been do doing women centric networking for so long now that I've kind of forgotten that there is this inherent energy that exists when you're in a mixed gender networking space, where as someone who just brings a lot of enthusiasm and joy into the world and can show up at an event and experience. And you, you, as a woman, you, you kind of have to tolerate being talked down to or hit on or just to try to further your business efforts. And I remember specifically back when I was a lot more timid and uncertain what I was doing in life, there was this always thing that happened. I would go to an event and it would always be an older guy who would say, Dill, huh? What's that short for? What was wrong with your mom? You know, like it was always like, okay, to insult my name on our first introduction to each other. And then where do you go from there? Like, how do you find the, the how do you find the energy to be like, this is what I'm passionate about in the world. You know, when you've just like started the conversation being insulted, you know, and I knew when I would go through these experiences, like I would get a little tougher every time and I'd get some sassy comebacks and I'd find myself feeling really defeated in a way. Right. And, and not that excited to participate. Yeah. So I really set out to create an environment that that wasn't just not going to happen because there's going to be so much facilitation for authenticity and for play and for friendship. And that we're all by default, just sassy women who have business endeavors and also are just really great people and that we want to get to know each other as people. And then once we like each other, business will start to come to the topic. I think that's interesting what you're saying about the mixed gender um, networking groups, because it you know, I come from a betrayed partner world. And one of the things that we talk about as far as sexism and men that tend to be on the abuse spectrum or on the more like privileged end of things is that they use a type of communication that's called jade where they make you justify argue defend and explain yourself to put you in a lower position so they can feel more empowered and i think that that's a little bit of what you were tapping into when you're feeling that way is that it's not helpful to you when you meet somebody for the first time and you're already called to action to explain yourself where you should just be, you know, on the same level and talking about what it is you do and being open and honest and friendly. That's a lot. That energy with that kind of a conversation is a lot different than making you feel like you have to defend yourself. Absolutely. That's such a great insight to share that that's an actual thing and that it's like names. And, and then, you know, just as far as like women making safe spaces for women, when you really start to like think back in your past of all the things that you've showed up to and just sort of tolerated the ways that women are cast, whether it's playful, flirting or 
whenever, if you're not, if that's not like what you're there for, it's so disrupting to your central nervous system because now you don't know how to conduct yourself. And you're like, oh my God, they think I'm hitting on them. And I'm just trying to tell them about my new business. You know? <laughs> so that just kind of levels the playing field. It's all a, a different, a, just a different set of agenda. And when the mm. women get together, I mean, the gabbing that happened, they were just like talking and sharing and <laughs> it's just, it's a completely different energy. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So again, when we were talking the other day, we were talking about startups and you were saying it's disappointing for you to see all of the businesses that have been abandoned by other women. And the way you said it was just so poignant. <laughs> can, you, can you explain what that feeling is like for you and what that looks like? Yeah. Yeah. So I like to joke. So every time someone comes to an event, they give me a business card and then I have like business cards. And I like to joke, I have a book of binders of women because I have them all in binders and stuff. But I uh, have been, I've been really sad. I've been really disappointed that over the years, how many women have started out with really great ideas, being really passionate and wanting to come from this incredible place of service in anything. And then they quit, they give up. And I call it my business card graveyard because I just, take them out of the binder and throw it in the box. I'm like, well, that's not a business I can refer to anymore because they are not doing it. And I know that after observing it, it's because women are not gaining the skills they need in marketing and sales in order to sustain the business. They're passionate about the idea. They have an incredible heart and mission for the customers that they're hoping to serve, but they give up in the difficult businessing part. Yeah, the businessing part is challenging. And I know that firsthand from pivoting in what my business is, because when I first met you and started going to Women with Moxie, I was a graphic designer who was setting out trying to be a book designer. And I had a partner, we had a small business together. And then we just we couldn't figure it out. We couldn't figure out how to make money and, and basically ended up just realizing that the self publishing industry just couldn't it didn't seem like it was going to have enough profit for us like people. People in that world are not going to pay enough money for what we wanted to offer them. But then when I had, you know, years later, I left that and was starting, you know, a career just as a graphic designer, working for other people and as a freelancer and stuff. And then I had my discovery day where I found out that Noah was cheating on me and that just flipped everything on its end. And so I had a client that was a big client of mine and I was happy that I got that gig, but I just decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I just wanted to do something completely different. So this like the first time was like it failed. It co probably could have I could have done more work on that and figured out some marketing stuff and maybe like there was a better way I could have sold things. But second time when I started going back to Women with Moxie with my new business, which was the podcast and being a writer, you know, self-publishing my own book and, you know, doing other things in that area, it was really out of me switching gears. It was really me like pivot, totally pivoting and being like, fuck that noise. I this is what I really want to do. I have a voice. I need to say the things that I need to say and I need a platform for that. And so I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to do it. And I still haven't figured out like the financial end of 
it, but I'm working on it. And like when we met the other day and you were getting me all fired up about, you just have to sell the thing. You have to, you don't even have to have it figured out was what you said. You don't, you just have to have an idea and then the planning, you can figure that out later, but you get people excited and you go, Hey, I just have this idea. And I think that you would love to be part of it as a woman, be part of this network. And I, you know, would you pay like $250 and just sell it that way? You got me all excited. And then I said, I'm going to use it on you. And I sold you an ad. <laughs> and that was the first sale for me for the podcast. Yeah. And this is, um, this is something that I've really realized that women are not accustomed to rejection. We're just not like, think about it. You know, we move <laughs> through the world and we ask for things and we just, you know, somehow you just get it. Right. <laughs> it's just like, but when you, when it comes to running a business and selling, and if there's any chance of rejection or we ask someone and they're just like, no, I'm not interested in that. Like we immediately, it gets so personal. Like it must be us. It must be, we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or we haven't, we don't have it figured out enough. And it's almost never about us. We're literally just a vehicle for an opportunity that either fits for the marketplace or doesn't, right? But we're just, we're not willing to be resilient long enough facing our market research while we're hitting a little rejection. I just think men are way better wired to be rejected. Like they're conditioned to be rejected, you know? And like uh, what you're saying about selling your ideas before you're fully developing them. This is another thing I really, really, really wish that women would take to heart is that I know that we were given the, the moral code of being a good girl and, you know, having everything all figured out and being perfect all the time. But at the end of the day, there's no point in spending a year developing an e-course or a product or an offering if you've done no market research and you've not asked anyone if they would buy it, if it existed, because then you're going to come to market exhausted from the creation process. And you're going to try like asking three people and one's going to be like your best friend and they're going to say no, and you're going to just shelf the whole thing. And that's what I've seen happen over and over and over because women aren't taking a business mind to say, I'm going to create an asset and then I'm going to go to the marketplace. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, test some variables, see what happens, what the response is, and go back to the think tank, change some of the marketing language, build the whole thing later when you know who you're building it for as people start to give you some feedback. That would make so many more women money. Like that would, that one little thing. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I, but I also think that, um, you know, in talking about how men, they seem to have things figured out like that. And I think that there's been a history of men being leaders and women kind of sitting back and not having the opportunity and being quieted. And like you said, being told to be the good girl. When we had a talk the other day and we were talking about coaching, I started thinking more about the space of what you offer and of it being a safe space for women. And I really think that you're right in the sense that we are all coaches and that we all really need to be building each other up because in the history of marketing and sales, it's been male dominated. It's time for us to really step into that role and support each other and practice what that feels like. Um, this is why I speak so much about microeconomies and women. Women supported networks. If they all just referred to each other and then all developed each other's skills and give positive feedback and 
you know, that's why I love presenting a stage at Women's Marketing. Like anyone can get on the stage and tell anyone else what they're thinking they want to offer the world. And everyone can just sit there quiet. Like they have no idea what they're saying and they can try again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, this is like real life, but practicing because if women don't get started, they're not going to get to where we really need to get them, which is getting in control of more money, more assets, more resources. The world would be a way better place if there was more equilibrium there. I'm just working on the front line with women who are trying to make their first sale and trying to believe that maybe what they have to offer has value to the marketplace. I get so discouraged when women are like, well, I need to charge what I'm worth. I'm like, this ain't about what you're worth, woman. This is about what the marketplace thinks of what you have to offer and what they are willing to pay to solve their problem. Like that's business 101. Yes. I think of you as such an energetic person and an amazing salesperson and a marketer. And I wonder if you can share some more tips that you have for women who have their own businesses, but are floundering with some marketing tools, strategies, and or think that the word selling is a dirty word. Yeah, I think that selling is kind of annoying, right? You think about it, you're all the role models you probably ever had or any visions that pop into your head or from some TV show or your own experience on like a car lot or something. I don't know why we only have such a limited visual reference of what selling is, but really everything is selling. Every single thing, whether you're trying to rent an apartment or you're trying to get your kid into college or doing this, everything you're doing is the act of trying to influence the other party to agree that the outcome that you like is is the outcome that that would work for everyone in this situation. But I think we've compartmentalized it to this like, I make this big pitch and then they say yes or no. But it's really this beautiful dialogue of invitation. You're inviting someone to an experience, an outcome or a new reality. Even if you're selling a product, you're offering something that's going to create a vehicle for someone to have some kind of relief from a problem or pleasure in some way. And I think that when we get out of our head and realize that inviting is really an act of love and an act of service because you wouldn't invite someone that you didn't think was it wasn't right for them. I mean, that's funny. Women have a lot of integrity about things that they're willing to do and not willing to do, right? If you really believe that the person that you're making the offer would benefit from, you would be selfish not to to present the opportunity and present the offer. And I think women should just recognize it's not about them. Also, marketing is an energy. Marketing is deciding that you want to tell other people that there's this cool thing that exists. And in telling them, there's a million ways to tell them. You can use internet marketing, you can use in-person networking, you can use calling people on the phone. This is something I really encourage because it's a dying art form to call a human being on the phone see how they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the personal touch is so very much needed and that can definitely differentiate you between other people that are trying to sell you maybe even the same thing. You pick up the phone and be like, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) And and just invite them into an experience or a thing because no one's calling them. Telemarketers are calling. Even their family is texting them on their birthday. So this is a cheap, easy way to move some energy around, to collect feedback, to be a kind human being. (laughs) It's still free. You know, I just feel like we we get so caught up in our head that marketing is like just this one channel and selling is just this one thing, but it's this integrated, beautiful set of different variety pack of stuff you can participate in. And whenever I'm working with someone to say like, what are your marketing activities? 
And they're like, huh, what are my marketing activities? I'm like, well, what do you love to do? Do you love being on the computer? Do you love texting? Do you love standing on the street corner and for proclamating your stuff? Like, what do you, how do you want to get the word out and communicate? Because communication is the vehicle in which marketing happens. So, you know, I like to uh, challenge people to think differently about these very critical and important components of a sustainable business. Well, and women will emotionally buy from each other at a guild, you know, <laughs> like, 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 you know, just like you're saying, like you'll buy something because you want to support. And that's part of that micro economy. You want to support them. You're like, man, I didn't really need that, but I want them to know that what they're doing is amazing. And I want to see it happen in the world. And that's part of voting with your dollars, yeah. right? Is putting your money in the places that you want to see more of. So when you're new. So are you telling me that, that you didn't need an ad on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you're doing just fine. Are you supporting me? You I gotta, thank you anyway. Yeah, you gotta make offers. <laughs> I'll be part of your micro economy. <laughs> um oh I was gonna say something else about that. Um the sales thing. Oh yeah. So I think that you know, you were talking about how people are selling things all the time anyway. I think that it's probably not just women, it's men too. As soon as you attach a dollar figure to something, that starts to be intimidating for women. And then that that seems to make, make it feel more like a dirty word. And like, they don't really know how much to ask for a thing. And they feel like, you know, we had this good, this friendly camaraderie going on and this, and then I offered them the thing and then I had to ask for money. And so when there's the exchange of money, it changes it a little bit. And I I think that it might have something to do with how we attach emotionally to that aspect of, you know, selling. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I would challenge everyone to identify where their relationship with money is and to do some work, listen to some podcasts, read some books, go to classes, do some work and like own it just like you would in your personal intimate relationships that you want to be better, healthier, more fulfilling. Your relationship with money is just another entity in the world that Mm -hmm. you bought us. That you can't just like, I talked to it once and then I like didn't want to think about it again. No, like you can't have an intimate relationship like that. Like you have to be continuing to check in to see how you're reacting to things and do some very deep work. I would say that for me now, whenever money is like part of the equation, I get excited because money is energy. Money says there's some expectations on the table and I get to show up to it and they get to show up to it. And here's what we let's. Let's work on our communication to make sure we're clear about everyone's expectations in this transfer of money. And the people who focus on providing a great transaction in that space are able to allow all the parties to really receive the transformation of making the investment. This is something I learned when I, the first time I ever paid for coaching. I remember I was at a seminar. There was a fancy woman in a fancy dress on the stage. She was making an offer. She said, you can be better at everything. <laughs> There's always that lady. <laughs> we all need that role model, right? Someone that's brave enough to like say, you too can be confident in all the areas. If you just write this big check. And I was in the back of the room, hadn't even told uh, my partner at the time. I was just like, I'm just doing this. I pull up my check. My, my hand is shaking trying to write this check. I was like, oh, 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 this is so much money, you know? And I just remembered 
oh my God, the minute that I turned it in at the back of the room and gave it to the people and walked away, I was like, even if I never show up for anything that they're providing me, I just had a transformational experience because I told the universe that I want to grow and I'm willing to put my money on the line, no matter what that means. And I'm willing to show up to it and I'm willing to be uncomfortable and to be uncertain and to do that. And I think that that we forget when we're making offers and we're letting people invest in what we have to give them that they're going through their own spiritual experience on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what's in your marketing. you know. <laughs> and so joyfully, kindly, enthusiastically showing up and letting them transact is a huge difference than going, well, it's going to cost this. Uh, are you willing to pay that? Uh, you know? That is a good way of looking at it because Brenda Bryan is my speaker's coach. <laughs> And I had her on my on season one of the podcast. And I know that when I decided I was going to cut that check to her, it seemed like a big chunk of change to me. And I was not sure really what I was getting myself into. I just knew that I needed to learn some of the skills that she had to teach about speaking in public and about stepping into fear and just allowing myself to be uncomfortable in situations and to be in a safe space with other women that were going through the same thing. So yeah, I know what it's like to be like, I'm going (laughs) to write that check out and send it in. And it is a step in a direction that I want to go in. That's where I want my business to go. And so you're right. It's on both sides. There's the person that's doing that asking because she was you know on me too she's like I met her I told her I was interested she called me the next day she (laughs) called me again was like let's set up just a little you know one-on-one half an hour session that's free and then she sent me a follow-up email so there was no way of (laughs) avoiding actually going and doing the speakers club and I you know I'm so happy that I did it you know it's almost like six months now so yeah there's the feelings the feelings on both sides of the fence. <laughs> yeah, and again, money is an exchange of energy and whatever you're selling, whatever you have to offer the world, I just feel like you wouldn't be called to do it if there wasn't a bigger story. And I've noticed with women, there's a woman in our community who is still going to chemotherapy for breast cancer, but yet she's already opening up spaces in her calendar to be a coach and a facilitator for other women we're just finding out they're getting breast cancer. And I feel like if that is not an example of presenting the hand of hope to other people while struggling yourself to get yourself together, to keep fighting the fight, um, I just feel like that is prolific in our world. I love how many women are saying, I see how lonely this was when I went through it. And here I am stepping out to hold hope for others that they can have an easier journey if they join me in this experience. And I just love that. I love that that is possible in the world. And I love that business can operate that way. Yeah. As long as someone doesn't get so clouded by their mission that they stop considering the cost of providing goods and services to the marketplace, the cost of profit, the cost of taxes, the Mm -hmm. cost of administrative support that's eventually needed as you leverage and have more clientele to serve than you you can on your own. I mean, that's the thing. We have to start with a big heart mission, but then we got to step into our big girl pants to figure out the finances. How do you think that women entrepreneurs can do a better job of supporting each other? 
the most free and easiest low effort way is especially in social media if you see anyone you know doing anything in social media and they make a post hey i'm having a workshop or hey i i'm hosting an open house or hey i'm doing this thing like give it some love don't just like it don't just be like oh yeah like literally post like this is so cool i'm so glad you're doing it and the world's gonna be a better place because of you these little words of affirmation can keep someone going and be a lifeline for them while they're staring at their crickets like feeling like nobody's <laughs> responding because it's so vulnerable in the beginning until you have you know thousands of followers or whatever in the beginning with an idea you're so vulnerable and you're so likely to quit if people don't show up for you and just tell you that what you're doing is worth it and that's like the easy and then the next thing is like, it's like, if you can, if you can economically support them, buy their jewelry when they're making it, buy their ads when they're offering, buy their stuff, go to their workshops, do things that make them feel like, oh my gosh, there's hope. There are customers out there. Obviously, you're probably not the target market because you're too close to it, but just allowing each other to be rained upon with love and cheering will go a long way. Yeah, I like that. Everyone should be <laughs> rained upon with love and support. So how can women get involved with Women with Moxie? Yeah, so Women with Moxie has had a lot of iterations over the years. Its current inception, we have local events in the Portland, Oregon area. We are starting to look at bringing chapters or even pop-up events to other cities to see what kind of activity is out there. So if anyone out there has a desire to gather women or wants to be part of something like this, feel free to personally reach out to me. Go to womenwithmoxie.com and uh, send us will contact us and I would be happy to talk to you about your desires. <laughs> and there it is. There's that good sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that women often flander a little bit at is having a direct next step or call to action. So at every communication, at every new introduction, just telling someone, hey, we should be in touch is so useless. Like it's just not going to happen. Like, oh, we should have coffee. It's not going to happen. But if you're really clear about your next step or call to action or what you want someone to do and you lead the way with how to interact further, you'll have such a better time maintaining the contacts and efforts that you put out there because they don't know what to do. And if they don't want to do a confused mind does nothing. Well, also a busy mind. Everyone is so busy now. You really, if you want to see a person or have some connection or see if they're interested in your widgets, gadgets, or other offerings, you have to do, make the effort and say, hey, can I call you on Saturday? Do you want to go have coffee? Let's get this thing going or I'm going to call you and set this time up. How does this day work for you? Instead of what you were saying where it's like, yeah, that's great. Let's be in touch because that's it's not going to happen. And don't forget when they don't respond, it's not personal. It's usually not personal. Usually if people do not want to ever do anything with you, they're not going to have said that. It's usually their own inner dynamics and world. So don't take a non-response as a rejection. That's a good advice too. Do you have three main tips for women who plan to attend networking events like Women with Moxie? Yes. Number one, start with an intention. So go to the event with what would be successful for me? Would it be meeting one new friend? Would it be telling three people about my upcoming workshop? Would it be getting dressed and getting off my couch and getting into a public space? <laughs> you know, decide <laughs> what, what your intention is so that you can determine if you are successful. That's one. Two, do not have business card shame. I call this business card shame because I have been handed a business card <laughs> maybe a hundred times 
or someone immediately tells me why nothing on it is correct. The phone number has changed. They're updating their website. (laughs) I haven't even learned your name yet. I don't (laughs) care, right? So don't lean on business cards like a crutch. And in fact, giving a business card is almost a losing proposition. Asking for a business card is a way better opportunity to control the follow-up because if you gave them your card and they never call you, guess what? That was a wasted conversation. But asking and always being just out of a card is a good way to go too. (laughs) And then three is really check your body language. If you are staring at your phone and you're in the back of the room and then you left and felt like, well, I didn't meet anyone, you got to be responsible for your own outcome. If you show up and you're feeling really awkward and you're not sure what to do, the thing to do is go stand by someone else who looks completely terrified. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've just made a new friend. (laughs) say hi and I'll tell you this is my go-to every single time this is my cheat sheet literally this is gonna sound ridiculous I'll go hi I'm Dill that's my whole line and then it goes from there you know you don't have to be that complicated you don't have to be that fancy you just have to be open and willing I do want to say, I want to wrap this around to one more thing that's super important. You mentioned it already during this conversation. You said, I came to Moxie and I was a book designer. And then I came to Moxie and I was a graphic designer. And then, you know, now I'm a podcaster, a thought leader and creator in this space, right? But here's an invitation to all women out there. What if you were everything? What if you were all the things that you'd ever been and you still are them? What if none of them went away and you found this incredible fusion cuisine? It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of this that made you you, which made you so special, which made you only the person that could be the hero to the person that you're supposed to be the hero to because of your very unique and dynamic background. I just find too many women have a hard line of I was this and then I was that and now I'm not this and now I'm not that, but it hasn't gone away. Those like skills and passions and talents and troubles and trials and things like have all are all still coming to the party. And I love, I think you say it best in, in some of your materials. It says like, I'm a Renaissance woman. And I feel like that's the definition of having moxie. You just ain't never given up. It's going to keep trying, going to keep reinventing, iterating, adapting, and showing up to the world with everything you've ever been through and having to offer. And that's what makes it so valuable. Whatever comes out of your mouth next to offer. See, and that's how she does it. That's how Dill (laughs) inspires you when you're least expecting it. So that's why I named my podcast, I Am My Passion Project, was because of that. I think you're right. You know, I say, oh, I was a book designer. I was a graphic designer, but I'm still all of those things. But I think it's just, it's like stepping into being a thought leader and using all of those different elements as tools to be a thought leader and giving yourself permission to do that and and to be the Renaissance woman that wears all of those hats and is just able to step into a conversation with you and just talk about all of these different things, all of the hardships that led us to be where we are and all of the things that we're excited about and wanting to create safe spaces for women That's part of the making the world a better place for women. I think you're right. You don't need to put labels on yourself or call yourself a coach. You just are. You're many, many things, a multi-layered human being who has cool shit to offer 
And like you, you run Women with Moxie, but you're more than that. You are an amazing mom. You're a wife. You're a realtor. You're used to be a graphic designer. Imagine you're still using those tools. You're making cool jewelry. You're doing all those things too. So good. Yay for you. And yay for all of the Renaissance women out there that are just being in the creative mindset and supporting one another. I just love that. And that's that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I know there are so many lovely, talented, exuberant women that have such fascinating stories and fascinating lives. This is my opportunity to just have like girl talk with you. (laughs) And I get to do it under the guise of, oh, I have a podcast. I have to interview people. But it's really just me like getting to know other people and sitting down and having these juicy conversations. So thank you for being here and letting me chat with you. It's an honor to be in the space and to have any opportunity, fate, inspiration, love and opportunity for women out there in the world. Anything (laughs) that's in your mind and in your heart, ladies, I promise you it's not there by accident. Love that. How can people get in contact with you, reach out to you? Do you have any super cool projects that are coming up? You talked to me a little bit about another chapter that might happen. Tell us about all of the things. Yeah, might be doing a couple pop-up events in some cities like California and Nevada. And maybe at a location near you soon out there if you (laughs) want to reach out. It's a fun time to be back creating gatherings for women because COVID really put us in such a deep isolation that we're universally all socially awkward now and it doesn't have to feel weird because everyone's kind of weird (laughs) (laughs) that is the truth of it we're still coming out of it thank you so much for being on the show dill i am so appreciative of you agreeing to come and have this chat with me and i look forward to seeing you at the next women with moxie event Uh, our slogan is uh, good fun good friends good business Thank you for listening to this episode of I Am My Passion Project. Regular episodes drop every Thursday, like biscuits, with bonus episodes sprinkled into the week. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider sharing it with friends or leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I invite you to use Woman House as your muse to help redesign our world as a better and safer place for women. I am my passion project